How do you find the will to fight back against a world that wants to keep you sedated, average, and stuck in place? Join us for the tools and strategies you need to create a life of abundance, discipline, and high achievement. This this, this is the Tactical Empire with Jeff Smith. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Tactical Empire. I am super excited about our guest today, Mr. Marcus Aurelius Anderson. He is a best-selling author with a book called The Gift of Adversity, a TEDx speaker, mindset coach, and a top-ranked podcast host. His podcast is called Acta Non Verba. And uh, I'm super excited to catch up with this guy. I haven't seen him in about a year, um, but we actually have spent some time together in Mexico and uh, really hit it off where this guy was the keynote speaker at the little event that we, that we were at. And uh, I got to know him and we just became great friends and connected over time through different networking groups as well that we were both in. And so I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to catching up with you, Marcus. Thanks for coming on today. And thank you so much for having me. And uh, I love that time that we had in Mexico. It's like uh, when you and I connect, that's great. When our wives connect and are on the same level, it's like, yeah, that's amazing. Kirsten has really uh, inspired Rachel, my wife, to do 75 hard, to, to really push herself. And so, um, yeah, I, I love these kind of friendships and these relationships and iron sharpens iron. This is how we get better, right? For sure. For sure. I, I can't tell you how happy I am that the, the, the women we're with have the willingness to, to do the personal development and growth side of things. Cause that, that was not always the case in our relationship. It's the same for me. My, my wife, until she came to my first live event, she was like, why do people give you money? Why, why do they give you money? And then she was at the event and she actually did some of the work. She was like, Oh, and then now she's able to apply some of that. She's been entrepreneur for 18 years. But even then, being able to kind of take little baby steps into that, scaling her business more, hiring the people, not being afraid to invest in the short term initially so that we can have that long term. And this year has been, last year was a great example of what happens when you actually put it all together and allow the systems to do the work instead of trying to be the bottleneck on everything. So, yeah, man, if we're not living it, why are we trying to teach other people, right? That's a really interesting point because both you and I are, are, are coaches and consultants and, uh, and we've been doing it for years and um, it, it's always perplexing to me when you meet someone like that, that's, that's done decades of business building and, and they're like, why would you ever spend money on a coach? I don't get it. And I'm like, I still hear it to this day. People bristle about it. They, they push back on it. And I think that for me, I was completely the opposite. Um, I've spent money on continuing education and anything and everything since the, like anything I wanted to do, I hired coaches and got more information as fast as I possibly could. Because I mean, I, I think the purpose of groups and coaches are and mentors are to, but to provide you speed leverage and connections. And I'm impatient by nature. And so I, I want speed and leverage and connections. And so I, I think the people that 
haven't dove into that realm, it's, it's always interesting talking to them about why. It is. And it, it kind of shows, like you say, where they're at in the journey. You're the same way I am. Speed is our security, right? So if I can get done in six months by paying a coach, what would take me three years of figuring out on my own, that means I'm saving two and a half years, two and a half years of opportunities, of connections, of leverage. And even if I spend a little bit of money right now, I'm going to get way more money in the long run. And frankly, I don't know. I think I'm speaking for you as well. Again, when I did my audiobook, like I tried to do it here two or three times and it was just a fucking nightmare. And I was like, all right, going to the studio, putting down some money, getting it done one week of it. And I can step away. Now the team takes care of it. And now it's going to be done as opposed to me wanting to do it as opposed to me thinking about doing it or thinking that this is something I have to get done. It's the same thing. When you have that coach that's on your ass every week, it's like, Hey, you claim this is what's important, but this is what you're doing. So why are you lying to me? Why are you lying to yourself? And that keeps you very honest. So again, if you put down some money to get you to get the stuff done that you need to get done, man, that's what we have to have. So there's nothing like accountability to kick in the ass. And there's nothing like putting money where your mouth is to give you true accountability. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a huge believer of that, that it, if you're paying for it, you're, you're focused on it. I mean, you and I have been in the game long enough to know that like, you try to give shit away to people and what, or do a favor to somebody for somebody and their buy-in is, is just shit. Right. That's exactly it. The, when there, when there's dollars on the line and you've exchanged a a sum of money, um, preferably that gives you a little bit of a lump in your throat that you've got to perform. So that's where some coaches go wrong is that they price themselves too low. And then it's, it's not, they commoditize themselves, but they also don't get the results that they need because somebody can throw 200 or 300 bucks a month or whatever the insignificant number to that person is, they are, they're priced low enough that it becomes a commodity and and then you don't get follow through and you don't get that accountability. That's the truth. And here's the other part people don't see. If I do that as a coach, I burn myself out but I also end up becoming a worse coach every time. If I talk to somebody that I shoot them a number and they go, but they want it bad enough and they commit, that person is willing to do the work. So what does it make me do? It forces me as a coach to elevate. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm charging this person on the mouth. that's going to make me go, I better fucking deliver. And if that's the case, that makes them deliver and they feel it. But like you said, if it's a hundred dollars a month and I'm giving them everything, I'm giving them the keys to the fucking castle and they're not executing and they're oh, but what about this? And they're giving me an excuse. And this other person said this. And well, what about this? I don't care about that. You want to do this stuff with us right now? If you want to do this work, this is what we have to do. And if you are pricing yourself too low in the idiot zone, you're going to face idiot problems over and over again. And frankly, they are not going to solve themselves. You have to put yourself in a place where you respect yourself, your services, and frankly, your client enough to kick them in the ass, to call them on their bullshit. Also have a little bit of love and compassion sometimes. But in the end, that's what our job is. My job is not to be your friend, it's to be your coach. My job is to find out what you really want and then to dig into what that really is and then get you there, especially on the days when you don't want to do it. And guess what? Emotions assassinate the truth, right? You don't give a fuck about how you feel once you get to that place. You look back on that success and you're like, that wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was. But if it wasn't for somebody kicking you in the ass to get there on the days that you didn't feel like doing it, you're not going to get there. Yeah, I think that, it, I mean, results are what matter, 
um, not really how you get there. Like if you, if you come to me and you tell me that you want to hit a million dollars in your business this year and you're at 500,000, I mean, there's going to be some tough conversations because you've got to, you've got to double your efforts. And uh, that, that's not, it's not an easy conversation to have a lot of times, but it, you're exactly right. I mean, that that's one of the, I enjoy seeing them reap the rewards of the growth that they, they wanted to do and the action that they take. And uh, so, so it's super fulfilling when that happens and it kind of comes together. Uh, you, you made me think of that meme that floats around that says uh, the $500 client is uh, it, it's, it, it's got a 500,000 or $500 client, and a $50,000 client. And it says, $500 client is like, Hey, will you restructure your entire program to fit me specifically because I'm different than everyone else. And the $50,000 client is like wire sent. When can we schedule the call? The, that's it. <laughs> Invoice sent. What can I do is like, that's exactly it. And that's, that's what it's all about. And if you're going to be serious about anything, if you, again, we talk about coaching, any athlete, any team, any, successful campaign. There was a coach, there was a person that was there, whether it be a physical conditioning coach, whether it be a person that's actually helping on specific areas, technical stuff, everybody that you've ever thought of that you can think of now, you know, Tim Grover, right? His yeah. big thing is, you know, coaching Jordan, cho yeah. coaching some of the best in the world. They all had a coach. They all need that thing. And sometimes a coach is not, I've had a lot of people that's like, man, what you're telling me is not like the most exotic thing in the world or rocket science is like it's no it, it has to be simple again <laughs> complexity is the enemy of execution when you're in combat you don't have a lot of luxuries if you take contact and you just fall apart you're probably not going to make it but if you can do the drills enough and you start to respond appropriately it just kind of happens on its own because why we're not taking the we're not allowing emotion to go in there and dictate what we're doing next we say do i want to do this or do i want to allow myself to compromise in this area and the problem is if we compromise at the first sign of adversity we will begin to compromise when we should be fighting the hardest and then that bleeds into over into every circle of our life from our relationships to our health our nutrition anything that we're trying to get better at and without that sort of no bullshit look at what's going on asking yourself is what I'm doing now or about to do, is this going to get me closer or further away from these things that I think are priorities? And if I prioritize everything, then nothing's a priority. So now there's all this vagueness. Now there's all this, you know, stuff in the ether that we have no clue what we should be doing next. And when people are like, I want to level up, what does that look like to you? Where do you want to level up? Well, I want more money. Okay. What does more money look like to you? And like you said, the 500,000 to a million dollar question, if you tell them that you're going to, have to work harder, that may seem overwhelming, but if you said, what if we just work more efficiently? What if we can 80, 20, some of this stuff? What if you hire that, that employer or that team for a quarter of a million this year, but in three years, they get you that money back and then some, and now you have all this time. And you're not the bottleneck. Now, all of a sudden that's much more doable as opposed to just asking that person to push harder because some of them, like you said, if they're burnout, they're either doing it for the wrong reasons, or they're not actually looking at what's really going on and what they really want. And that's when those hard questions, like you said, that five to 10 year entrepreneur starts realizing, okay, this is not sustainable for me. So what do I do? Do I just give it up? Once you become an entrepreneur, it's hard to, to give it up and go back to a cubicle. Mm -hmm. So we have to evolve. We have to change. We have to adapt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's just perspective though. And it's that, it's that second set of eyes. Because I, like one thing I'm passionate about is giving people more time in their schedule and making more money. 
And it's, it's a lot easier than you think it is Mm because most of the time, the way they've been doing it is the only way they know how to do it. And so you bring in solutions because I'm big on focusing on your other areas of life to make business go because I believe business is one of the easiest things that we do. We just make it complex. And as males, it's, it's a natural controlling environment for us. Like I was talking to you about my wife writing a book about that and she speaks to that. And she talks about how I spend time working because it's a known environment it's a known element. It's, it's the same thing like in special operations. Like when we leave special operations and get kicked out in the civilian world, we don't know how to operate. We want to go back to yes. chaos and where, where we feel comfortable. And, and so like in business, we feel comfortable because we have controllable, controllables. So like I'm big on going out and fixing the other areas of your life, taking care of your wife, being a father, uh, getting a hobby, spending some time thinking, quiet, reflection, whatever it is. But like a lot of times guys are just like, let's go harder, harder, harder. And then they're completely fried from doing the same thing over and over again, rather than doing something new. And so you can peel back their schedule with a little time management, things like that, then improve their life at home. And foundationally, once that foundation's set up, boom, money goes and business goes because it just becomes it, like everything starts working sync, sync, in sync. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's synergistic. And it's yes. the, uh, the whole thing, too, where a lot of people, especially with social media now, there's all kinds of information out there. And there's a lot of great information out there. But what happens is a lot of people are consuming the wrong stuff or they do this. They confuse familiarity with knowledge or experience. So everybody that's listening to this podcast right now has probably heard of the 80-20 principle, right? This idea that 20% of our actions create 80% of our output. But just because you're familiar with it does not mean that you're applying it. Doesn't mean that you're being surgical with it. Doesn't mean that you're doing it in your family life or your business or your health or consistently. You're not attacking it with urgency. You're just like, yeah, I've heard that before. That's a great idea. Okay, but if you would actually attack your schedule, like you say, Eddie 20, this, which of these things that I have going today, what's going to create the most of my like results consistently? Those are the things I need to be doing. That should be your power list, not just a bunch of arbitrary stuff. Because if you have, if you have more than four or five things on your list that are truly priorities, you will, you will falter, you will hesitate, you will slow down because you're either overwhelmed or you don't know which one you want to do, or you'll see the hard one. And you say, that's what I need to get done. But man, I don't want to do it. So I'm going to go down to this little one. Oh, I'm going to respond to this email. Oh, I'm going to check on social media. Oh, I'm going to do this thing. And now you've got this glorified distraction, right? And you're laughing because we've all done it. Yep. But the thing is, if you have somebody that keeps you on task and is like, listen, is this the priority? Fucking act like it. If it's really the priority, you're going to continue to do what needs to be done. We don't build the wall. We just lay a brick perfectly every single day. And the process we have to be a part of, we have to be present to that because the end result, we, again, like two years ago, we couldn't control that. Yep. But the process of us being in the right place, the process of us being able to adapt, to pivot, to lean into that chaos, because that's where the opportunity is. All these companies, you and I understand this two years ago, the companies I was working with, 
I was like, you need to be aggressive right now because everybody else is holding back, just like playing poker. All the big companies are already established. They can hold back. And we know now that there was financial incentives for them to do that. Exactly. The ones, the ones at the bottom of the list, they were barely making it. So they're gone. So the people in the middle, there's a lot of unclaimed territory if you were willing to go out there and do it, but nobody's going to give it to you. And if they say that they are, they're probably trying to sell something to you. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt about that. I, uh, I have a, I, I am guilty of over-consuming information. And so one of the big things that I'm focused on and have been focused on with my clients more than anything is, is just getting real narrow and focused and, and finishing things. Even if you're only working on one thing, take it completely to completion, then move on to the next thing. Because when I am stuck and unproductive, it's because I have taken on too much or I've, I've stood up too many things that I'm running, like spinning the plates and I've got 50 plates spinning. Um, but, but all of them are at like 80% completion. So none of them are fucking doing anything productive because none of them are actually done. So like you can't flip the switch and turn any of them on because they're all just in process. And so if you think about peeling that back to where you look at all the shit you're doing and just do a quick exercise of the five most important things that you could get done over the next 30 days and then just take it and plop it on your desk at one, the number one thing and that's going to move the needle and then just take it until it's done. Work on it every day until it's done. That's it. Because like, that's where we fall short. Cause you're right. It's because of inputs though. Like for most people, cause, cause what you're talking about, like there we're just barraged with shit. It's like, Oh, buy this next program. You can learn this, learn all the basics done for you. White label businesses. Here you go. And, uh, um, it's, it's overwhelming. And so, but what I learned the longer I'm around and running different businesses and gain, gaining experience is that it's still all about like the fundamentals. Nothing's really changed. It's, it's a lot sexier. It's a lot faster. There's a lot more technology involved. But fundamentally, if you don't have the basic skill sets necessary, you can't scale, replicate, start new businesses, do new ventures. It's so it, it's really just simple. It's the simple shit over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, Bruce Lee's protege, Guru Dan and Asanto said, there's no advanced techniques or just simple techniques that you do well in the face of adversity. So like throwing the jab and the cross and the hook, those are great. Can you do it under pressure? Can you do it when the guy's throwing it back at you? Can you get rocked and then throw it? Because if everything goes to part, the first time you take that first punch in the face, you're really not that stable. And then, like you said, I recommend to people, I know that we both have podcasts and we both have a lot of things going, but I would recommend to people right now, fast from shit for a while. Like just don't read any more books. Don't consume any more content and be really honest and get a piece of paper and say, no bullshit what do I need to do? Like, if I put a gun to your head, you probably know at least a couple of things to work on. And like yep. you said, even if it's not five, if it's those first two, the, 
the answer for everyone, for most people, especially as entrepreneurs, the answer that they are seeking is found in the adversity that they're avoiding. Yep. So if your sales pipe sucks, guess what? You have to get that pipeline going. Are you willing to do it yourself? No. Then are you willing to bite the bullet and find somebody to do that for you? Well, no. Well, now you're in an impasse and this will never change. You have to decide what's important. If your pipeline's great, but your business model sucks or you can't perform it or you can't, your operations can't get there or your fulfillment's not there, then you're never going to get to the right place. You can have people sell all day. All it's going to do is create resentment on the other side of the equation. They're not going to perform. And again, what happens? The client misses out, the customer misses out, and your business may not survive. So we have to have that kind of intensity when we're doing all that stuff. And even what you were saying too about the simplicity, I do something very easy with people. It's a three up, three down analogy. And I say, is it your business? Is it your physiology? Is it your psychology? Is it your relationships? What are the three things that you do in your business or in this area better than anyone else? So if it's a business, it may be a product, it may be an inside track on a service, it may be an un, kind of exposed area that a lot of people don't know about yet. That is your advantage. That's on one side. There's a hose that connects us to the other side, which is the three things that we're not doing very well, that we're dropping the ball on. That hose is your cash flow. The three things that you're doing badly are the feet that are stepping on that hose that stop you from getting to that place. So like you were saying, Everybody thinks they have to do more things. Actually, if they would just take one foot off of that hose for the sales cycle, for example, that would save them a lot of time. And what else? Vicariously, the side that they do really, really well, they get even better at it because now they have more opportunities to provide it. So that's so people are like, oh, you guys are being vague. No, this is nitty gritty. This is 80-20 at its highest level. This is something you can apply right fucking now. And if you listen to nothing else that we say here and you get only that, you can apply it to everything else. You can apply it to, again, if you're doing 75 hard, if you're doing something physical, something that keeps you accountable. Again, that's the thing that keeps you moving forward. And now you start taking those blockers off of your cash flow, off of your energy flow, off of your emotional flow with your family, with yourself. And that's the thing that keeps you from feeling burned out. Like you said, if we do these other things, that business will give it. What do we see? You have the CEO, he's crushing it in business but he feels badly that he's not with his family. So he's not as present in business as he should be. And now he's working 14, 16 hours. When he's with his family, he's not present because he's worried about his business. He's on the couch with the kids and the dogs should be watching TV, just chilling out. And he's like, ah, check Slack. Oh, this email. What did this person say? I wonder what happened there. Did they close this? Man, you're killing yourself because you are never successful. You're never feeling fulfilled and you're never present. And by doing that, you're constantly distracted, whether it be emotionally or professionally. And in the end, it's not sustainable. In the end, you're not, we're doing this for our families, for our lives, for ourselves, for our freedom. And if you forget about that, then you will start building resentment towards your family because you're working your ass off. You may not feel like you're getting what validation or attention that you want. So there's all these things we have to really be honest about. And if we don't do that, we're just going to kind of continue making those same mistakes over and over again. And that mistake, again, like I said, with familiarity, if you're used to doing something a certain way, even if it's wrong, a lot of people will lean into that because they would rather have familiarity than chaos. Well, it's a heightened sense of awareness too, which is why you've got to disconnect from the inputs from time to time. Cause you, it's, you can't like use the analogy again, hit in the face. You, you can't make any good decisions when you're getting just smoked in the face. <laughs> and so yeah, I mean, taking a technology break or a walk without any podcast playing in your ear, stuff like that yes. is, is game changers. 
Another tip I was given uh, one time that I found a lot of value in because I am admittedly an over-consumer of information, like I'm saying, um, like I try to read and study and like I'm, I mow through audiobooks and like I've read a tremendous amount of books, but the tip that was given to me is stop listening to anything for a minute book wise and sit down and write your beliefs in things like leadership was one that I was studying a ton on. Cause I had to speak on uh, a leadership panel and pre- uh, present for, for mastermind last month. So I was consuming all kinds of leadership stuff and, uh, then the advice came through just to sit down and write what I believe leadership to be. And then what, what in my words, not Marcus Aurelius's words or not like, what is courage to you? Like, what is, what are these other values that you, you value in your life, but like from your mouth, what are the to paper, to pen, to paper, what are, what, what do those things mean to you and how are they meaningful to you? And it, it allowed me to gather a lot of clarity around how I lead my staff and stuff like that, because you can't just overconsume this information and then regurgitate it. You really have to process it and, and, and bring it into what your belief system is so that you can live it and you can't be a leader if you can't lead people and by example right and if you're just spewing information or regurgitating something you read like your actions are not going to be in alignment with that definition of anything right so that that's so much of it and like you said when you have to teach it in the martial arts they say one teach but two learn so every time I teach somebody a technique, if they're doing it wrong, I'm learning that I'm showing them the technique incorrectly, right? So that's where the reinforcement comes in. And like you said, reading all this stuff about leadership, about whatever it is, we eventually have to get to the place where we start to digest it and bring it back. Um, one of my clients last year, at the beginning of January, I really, just like you, you know, we attacked the entire year, the quarter, you had the vision of everything that you want. And he was a big um, Hal Elrod guy like he loved the miracle morning stuff and he loved the the idea of the protocol but there were like two or three steps that to him just weren't giving him roi even though he would kind of do it religiously and i was like let's pull those out and it was like oh and i was like as a matter of fact there's these other two things that you've been implementing since we've we've been working together that are actually serving you and as a matter of fact we could plug those into this place and you know it was almost like this this sacred idea at first where it's like, well, I can't do that. You know, that's, that's a sacred coward. This is this religion to me. And that's because that's what got this entrepreneur to where they were. It's like, that's fine, but let's evolve. If you want to ascend, you have to change what you're doing. Right. So, I mean, the armor that we carry onto the battlefield, the the cool idea, right. I have to take the armor off sometimes if I want to go fast, right. That's where my speed and security is. I would need to take the armor off when I'm at home sometimes. So I need to understand it's okay to, Bruce Lee says, I absorb what is useful, I discard what is useless, and I add what is specifically my own. If you are an, a leader or an author or an entrepreneur at all, that should be punching you right in the face now because that guy was living it in the 70s when nobody was a, a movie star or a superstar as an Asian in the United States. Like this guy was literally putting it into play. 
Yep. So seeing how he did that, it should give us an idea that, listen, you find out what works best for you. You know, again, with martial arts, with, with anything, I'm not the tallest guy in the world. I don't have long arms. So I need to get inside. I need to get a hold of you. I need to pull a weapon on you. I need to, you know, ambush you. I need to get there so I can win. Mm-hmm. That's what people have to understand. You don't have to be, you don't have to be David Goggins. You don't have to be Jocko. You don't have to be any of these people, but if there's something from them that you can take, that you can apply, if, if only inspiration, if only that little mantra that's like, suck it up, embrace the suck, discipline is freedom, whatever it is, put that into your hard drive. And then if that helps you in that moment, that's fine. But you and I also understand that words can only do so much. That's why the whole idea of octa non verba done is better than spoken, right? Perfection is nothing. If I cannot send it, I was talking to you earlier before the recording working on my second book. And there's a couple of people that have expressed interest and I'm like, ah, you know, and it took me a year and a half to write my first book. So now giving myself a six month deadline and really trying to attack it. Now I need that urgency without a deadline. Time means nothing. That's Parkinson's law. But the idea is for me, I'm not different. Like you said, you send it. If they like it, they like it. And it has to be polished anyway. It's not going to be perfect. Hemingway, right? The first draft of anything is shit. That's okay. That's the initial idea. That's what you get down on paper. And now you go for that walk without the input. And now you think about it. And all of a sudden you get this space and now you come back and you're like, holy shit. And now you had this breakthrough. Even Zen monks, right? They would always talk about how they're in meditation. They're just shutting their mind off and they just let stuff go but they've been practicing sutra or scriptures and they've been going over this stuff all day. They've been learning this stuff. And then that meditation, that separation, that detachment gives them the capacity to start connecting the dots. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh, I'm enlightened. It's like, no, you're not enlightened. You just, you shut up for a little bit and you listen to what was really important and you hacked away all the stuff that is not serving you. This is what everything comes back to. It comes back to Occam's razor. The simplest answer is usually correct. One, because there's less steps to fuck up in the process. And two, it's the most efficient way to get to where we have to go. And if we take our ego out of the way and stop trying to sound complex or exotic with what we're doing, we'll get a lot more done. And the results, like you said, they speak for themselves. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you talk about the miracle morning. I've uh, got my opinions on that. That shit drives me crazy. And, And it's only my personal beliefs and my personal experience because nothing has changed my life and my money and my production more than doing the biggest productive thing I can do immediately when I wake up. Absolutely. And, and if, if I get my critical tasks done first thing in the morning, like the rest of the day just flows and like that has changed my entire life. And so well, I like because I'm I'm a goofball and I, I like all that shit. I, I mean, I I will read about and practice any sort of mindset work, meditation, all, all of that stuff. I just for me that thing, the the people that it pains me that do it are the people that are trying to get out of their W2 jobs and they spend their hour and a half before work doing the fucking miracle morning. And I'm like, that's absolutely a fucking waste of time. Like spend 90 minutes working on some business that you want to bridge the gap to and transition to. And if you do that for a year, 
you will be on your way to not working that W2 job. But I mean, you have a, we all have a finite amount of time in the day. And, and so th- that goes back to time management. I, I just think a lot of that stuff and I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I already have. So fuck it. <laughs> We're here. Uh, let's lean in, man. <laughs> let's lean in, lean in. Um, no, if you're going to do all that stuff, I, I say like manage your time a little more effectively, do that stuff after work, do it at different times. Like, but again, some, some people have peak productivity at different times too. Like I'm just a morning person. Like I've been up since three this morning because I just wake up and I do shit. And sometimes I'm more excited about it than other times. And like today I was very excited about life and, uh, but I got a bunch done and a lot done before even five 30 when Kirsten got up. And so some people are night people. I can't imagine that, but it, it, you just kind of got to find your sweet spot, but you can't waste time either. Like if your if your morning routine is interfering with where you want to go, you need to have the awareness to audit that. That's exactly it. Tom Billu from Impact Theory and Quest Nutrition. <clears throat> I got lucky enough to go out to his house and see him get interviewed by a buddy of mine on a podcast, and he was saying that every hour he self audits. So like when he was done with that interview in his mind, was that the best use of his time or what was the ROI on that? And again, he has, you know, this huge mansion in the Hills, his whole team, like they all had almost their own little separate rooms. And it was just like a a good fire squad. Like they would come up, they had like one specific question. He'd look this, this, no, yes, go. And it was just never raised his voice, never had to jump up and down, never had to do fucking cartwheels. Like they had a Monday morning where they knew where everything was. This is, this is, where they get everything done. This is the meeting. This is what's important. KPIs this week. They would do an AAR on Fridays after actual report, essentially. Where are we at? What's the KPI here? They, they use that OKR protocol. So they know very much where they should be at what point in any time that they're doing this objective. But this is a guy that's worth, you know, sold his part of it for over, you know, half a billion. Yeah. I think he's on a pretty good, pretty good trajectory to know what needs to be done. And again, Marshall Goldsmith, he's like the most one of the most famous, you know, coaching executive guys, like he was the top executive coach. He was paid like a quarter of a million per client with a money back guarantee, never had to give anybody their money back. His big thing was like asking yourself a bunch of these questions. Like, did I do my best to do this and this and this? Lots of times, if you're being really honest, the answer is no. Like, did I do my best to do this? No. But if we don't have that, like you said, this powerless, this critical task that says, listen, did I do this to the best of my ability? Well, I got it done. That is the best of my ability. Check it off next. Don't waste any more emotional energy in that. Don't spend any more, like you said, we have so much time, a limited amount of time, but more importantly, we have a limited amount of actual like cognitive good decision-making time, like you said. So if you talk to that person, that's a night person, okay, maybe they're more creative at night, but they may be making their better decisions earlier or vice versa. So it's about, like you said, that self-knowledge and just being honest with ourselves. You know, How are you going to respond to this adversity before it gets here? the adversity of losing a, a client, losing your major clients or losing an employee or needing to, to gain another employee. Have hindsight now. Ask yourself that question now. What are you going to do with that place? Again, because if we wait until we're taking contact, the decisions that we make under fatigue are usually compromised at best. And it's just based on survival. And it, in this world, if you want something, you have to go out and fucking take it. You can't just hope to survive because you're a nice person because you will be eaten alive and the people that think you're a nice person are not the people that you need to impress to get to where you need to go. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, it's, it's a lot of people have just built in limiting, limiting mindsets. And so, I mean, that's one of the things I try to speak on as much as I possibly can is that like, you're not boxed into this like story that society has been telling you. Like, if you don't like where you live, move. If you don't like where you work, change it. If you don't like that, you're fat, like fix it. Like, you have the ability to control everything. And, and one thing that's been most eye-opening to me over the past probably 10 years is like, I always thought I could be successful or I had these big visions and big dreams of what I wanted to do. But like, it, it's really extraordinary once you actually start doing some things and running around with some people that like, there's really no ceiling on what we're capable of doing. None at all, like at all. And I mean, if you want to make a billion dollars, you can do it. It's very, you're going to have to have a high level of awareness and you're going to have to be a great time manager. And you're going to have to do what you're saying, Marcus, and evaluate the ROI on how you're spending your time. And there's just really no limitations on us as, as human beings, especially, well, I mean, they're trying to impose some limitations, but the longer we keep the current economic system and maybe rein it back and make it a little more advantageous to, to business owners, um, that there's really nothing you can't have or accomplish if you're willing to pay the price for it. That's it. And, and like you said, if, if we don't pay the price for it, then we're not committed, right? There's one level of commitment and that's total. So again, we're talking about price. We're talking about coaching. We're talking about these different things. This shows the level of commitment that I'm willing to have. Am I willing to put a price point on this? Am I willing to pay that price because I know what I want to get? And again, in my experience, the coaches that I have, the coaches that I've had in the past, even I've gotten 10X back from whatever I put into those people. Even if it's not the best relationship, if nothing else I learn, that's a flag. I'm going to look for that. I'm not going to run into that next time, whether it be understanding relationships, business, all those different things. And Again, the only way to have that is by at least going out and attempting to fall down. Everybody wants to be at the top of the mountain without getting dirty or taking any steps to get there. But if, if it were easy, you wouldn't fucking respect it. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't earn it, you're not going to feel like it was actually worth anything when you're there. Well, your words have to align with, with your actions as well, right? People say they want X, Y, and Z, but when your actions don't align with that, it's obvious that you, you actually didn't want that to the point that you were willing to pay the price. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, or, or change your behaviors or be committed over a long period of time. I, I think that that's, that's one of the biggest mistakes people make is they just quit too early and, and they're not, they can't stay focused for a long time. And I mean, I'm guilty of that as anybody else. I mean, like I'm a shiny squirrel guy. I shift directions all the time and, the older I get, the more I realize, like, fuck, man, if I would have just stayed on that one thing, if I would have just got into real estate when I was 25 and just stayed on real estate and never deviated. I mean, it's it is what it is. You live and learn. But like those those lessons, when you think about like if I could teach my 20 year old self something, what what would I teach myself? Yeah. And, yeah. And it, it's really to figure out, like, you've got to ask hard questions and better questions of yourself. 
because a lot of people don't ever even take the time to do that because of all the inputs. They don't have to. They're able to avoid them all because there's so much shit going on all the time. They're like, ah. and it makes them feel busy. It makes them feel like you're really doing it. Oh, I'm crushing it. Oh, I'm pushing this. And you're like, okay, ask, I'll ask you two questions. What are you still doing right now that you shouldn't be doing? What are you not doing that you should be? And they sound similar, but they are different. And like you said, those are the kind of questions. Ask yourself this. It's two years from now. It's 2024. Your business has failed. Why did it fail? It's those kind of questions that are like surgical that cut through all the fat, all the bullshit and get to the real heart of it. And now you have to ask yourself, well, this shows me that I need to dam up this area. It shows me that my sales are not where they need to be, or it shows me that I don't have enough of whatever it is. This keeps you very honest. So by getting in front of it now, everybody wants to scale their business, right? They don't understand that they're also scaling the cancer in their business. They're scaling the bad stuff in their business. It's like trim the fat first before you try to explode this thing up that may actually grow big enough to put you out of business. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the exercises I signed yesterday for our inner circle mastermind. It was like, <clears throat> what's the number one positive thing that you feed yourself with in life? So like what brings you energy, what, what revitalizes you and what, what has you operating at an optimal level? Um, and then are you doing it? Have you been doing it? Cause like, I don't know about you. I mean, you said you were sick. Like I have had just a shit start of the year. Like I have been like sick or not motivated or something almost the whole year. And then I had this like cough thing drag on forever and so it, it's just been a weird, a weird five weeks so far. And, and I've had to just trudge through it and, and continue to just try to get shit done with a lack of motivation. Um, but so we were reflecting on the positives, like what feeds you like exercise is my thing. If I do it, I can stay straight. And and then that brings us back to the whole torn labor in my hip thing and shit like that. And so how, how does that shit run downhill to affect every other aspect of our lives? And then the converse of that was the uh, number one negative thing that you're allowing in your life, right? Yep. So are you sedating with social media? Is alcohol a little more prevalent than it should be in your life? Like, are you not sleeping um, the appropriate amount that you know you need to get and there's no real reason for it? You're just fucking around and not going to bed. Like, it, I mean, a lot of people get caught up in that, right? Like they knew, they know they need seven hours of sleep or whatever. And then they stay up to watch one more thing on Netflix and they drag ass in the morning or they lose their 90 minutes of critical task time in the morning. Like, and you, you really just have to be just, I, I think it's a theme of what you've been talking about the whole time, but like, it's just really important to have the awareness and to be willing to be honest with yourself where you're at. Cause I mean, who the fuck cares? Like ultimately this game is all about you. It's me versus me. And, and that's it. Nobody else really gives a shit about you at all. Like, I mean, your family does to an extent, but like every day is just a war of you versus you. And so it, it's perfectly okay to admit 
your shortcomings, recognize them, own up to them, and then move on from them and say, you know what? That's not fucking serving me anymore. And I could be at this level if I just wouldn't do X, Y, or Z, or let's try something new. That's it. We have to do it with that curiosity, with that openness, put our ego aside. And just like you said, people, whether they admit it or not, they're, they're all self-absorbed. That's just the human nature, right? That's like the way we're designed as, as humans. Winston Churchill says, when I was 20 years old, I worried about what everybody thought. When I was 40 years old, I didn't care what everybody thought. When I was 60 years old, I realized that nobody was thinking of me at all. It's like, in the end, this is your life. This is your movie that you're creating. Are you going to be the hero? Are you going to be that guy that just like kind of was on the sidelines? Are you going to be that person who was actually demanding the most from yourself? Listen, you were talking about motivation and, and pushing through having discipline, even when we don't feel like doing it. Everybody that you, that anybody that's listening to me looks up to any, any big person, athlete, CEO, military person, whoever it is, those people have trouble. Those people have days when they don't feel like doing it. They have a hard time getting through it. They face adversity all the time. And they say, I'm going to keep going. So that's what it comes down to. It's not easy for them. So don't put them on a pedestal and think, oh, well, that's because it's, it's Jeff Smith or it's David Goggins or it's Jocko Willink. It's like, no, these people still have a hard time. They still have to push through. What are you going to do when you have to push through? Did you do it today? Great. Are you doing it tomorrow? Are you trying to click it up a little bit tomorrow? Do you have a micro adversity, something that makes you go up 5% in this area of your life? If it's not, then you're going to just continually stay in the same place. And we know how inflation is, right? Like it, it's going to continue to escalate. So unless you get in front of this thing, you're always going to be running to stand still. You're going to be drowning. Even if you feel like you're being productive in the process. Yeah. I, I think people just take for granted the, the compounding effect, both positive and negative. Oh yeah. Like, because once you start compromising your decisions, then that next thing becomes easier. And, and like you're saying, everybody's just human. Like they, they all are human. They all struggle with their own shit. They've all got their own problems. They've got all got their own weaknesses, anybody and everybody that you can think of just over time, they've chosen the, the more difficult thing to do at the time. And that began to compound. So what you look at and think may be a very difficult decision for them to make or a difficult thing for them to do, they have made thousands of micro decisions in that direction over time that have built to the point where that looks easy. It's like shooting a free throw, right? You, you shoot a, a million free throws and, and when you hit it, it's like you couldn't have ever missed it. But if I shoot one fucking free throw a month and then everything's on the line, I'm probably going to look like a real shitty free throw shooter. Yeah. And there's, there's so much of that, that, like you said, that becomes the habit that becomes our standard, whether we're aware of it or not. And, you know, the standard that we, if we have a standard that you were talking about leadership before, if I have a standard that says, listen, today I'm going to have, I'm going to make, courageous decisions for whatever reason, when people think about discipline or hardship or adversity, some people that triggers them. And I've noticed that those people that are triggered by that usually don't have discipline or usually don't like to face adversity, which is fine. But if you can say to yourself, what's the courageous decision right now? What's the courageous decision to have in this conversation with my 
my wife or with my family or with my coworker or with my business partner, right? What would that look like? What would the courageous decision be right now to, to go work out if I need to, or the courageous decision to not eat the shitty dessert when I say that I want to get in better shape? All these things, it comes down to single decisions, single points of a success or failure. And if you can choose to look at it like that, is this thing going to help me or not? It, it may not. And if that's the case, you don't have to beat yourself up about it. You don't have to go into this negative tirade, this spiral, or it's like, I never do that. And all of a sudden now, that's why I'm a piece of shit, blah, blah, blah. That's not helping you, right? I mean, you can beat yourself up for a second, get back on the horse, get back on the, stay in the lane, keep moving forward, keep walking. That's the only way that you can get there. But it's very easy for us to find, like you said, these artificial distractions, these pacifications, and that's the way they're designed, that your smartphone is designed to keep you on there. The social media networks are designed to keep you on there. Why? Because they want to sell you something. They want to use advertising. They want to get you into this experience. The same thing with Netflix. Like you said, you, you're done with this episode. What else happens? Oh, you're ready for the next one? All of a sudden, boom, it's on there. And you're like, well, I'm already here. I might as well just look. I might as well. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? And now, like you said, it, and then what else happens? We understand physiology. That light doesn't help us. As a, as a mammal, I see those lights. It tells me I need to be awake. It takes me half an hour for my melatonin levels to begin to creep in. But if I'm dead tired, and if I haven't had any time in my life that day to not have any inputs, to not take a breath, to not meditate, to not have peace, my head hits the pillow and all of a sudden, and that circus is going on and on. And all of a sudden, you're just kind of stuck there. So now you're wasting time because you're not asleep. We have to just be very honest about where we are. We have to meet ourselves where we are. We always talk about me and our clients where they are. Meet yourself where you are. Like if you want to be this thing, that's fine. What's that person doing that you're not? What's one thing that you can do right now? It doesn't have to be this huge mountain, right? When we're, when we're climbing, just take this next step in the military. Stop making it bigger than what it fucking is. Get to lunch, get through this iteration, whatever it is, finish these pushups, finish Murph, finish the K, you know, get done with whatever you're doing and now move on to the next thing. Again, complete the task. We don't have to sit there and say, oh, well, when I was in mountain warfare school, if I looked at the top of that mountain, dude, I'm never going to get there. But if I put that carabiner on, take that rest step, step, breathe, boom, step, breathe, I'll get there. It's just a matter of time at that point. Yep. I love that, man. Tell me what you're working on this upcoming year. What's 2022 look like for you? What do you got coming? More speaking events for 2022. Uh, Octonon Verba, my podcast is getting its third year. So it's getting some momentum. I'm going to have you on really soon. I get, actually, I got you coming on tomorrow. So that's going to be amazing. Um, doing some live events this year, hopefully also working on more speaking live as well and put it into a place where I'm actually talking to the right audiences to get what I need. And then like we were talking about before the, the high level coaching where I'm coaching the people individually, there's a few of them that actually inquired about me coming out to them and they're willing to really invest that time and invest, invest in themselves to get to that next place. And then working on my second book, Octonon Verba, turning adversity into victory through deeds, not words. If anybody hears anything right now, it's like, go out and do it. Go out and try, go out and fall down, go out and be willing to look like an idiot for a second, like you said, because that second passes, but the progress that we make in the process of getting there, man, nobody can take that away from you once you're actually there. Yeah, yeah, man. I love it. It builds confidence. And like we were talking about before, you, that confidence seeps into everything. It does. And it bleeds over into everybody around us, right? Yeah. 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 Because 
courage is lacking right now. And so if, if you can behave courageously, you can inspire those around you. And that means we make courageous, make courageous decisions all the time. What's the courageous decision here? Yeah. I love it. I love it. Marcus, thank you so much for hopping on. Where can people find you at? If they They need you to come speak at their event or they need you to come coach them or come to their company and chop things up with them. Yeah. Do workshops and all that. Then go to MarcusAureliusAnderson.com. If you're on the interwebs, you can go to the website. If you're a social media guy, you can find me at LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, I have a small presence on Twitter and Facebook too, but it seems like most of my business seems to be coming from those from LinkedIn and Instagram. LinkedIn's changed a little bit over the years, but in the end, that's kind of where I built most of my, my platform. And, uh, but that's where I do it. And then if you enjoy what we're talking about, Octonon Verba is the podcast and I'll be having Mr. Smith on soon. And that's going to be out. And uh, we're going to be bringing this kind of fire and more because it's always incredible to catch up with Jeff, but then to be able to really delve into this kind of stuff, this is where you like actually see the rubber meet the road. And um, it, it's not that difficult. It's, it's simple, but it doesn't mean that it's easy. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, I appreciate your time. As always, Thank you, brother. Uh, let me know if I can do anything for you or if, if you're ever in Houston, obviously I would, I would love to see you. Um, we'll post all your information to the show notes. So guys, if you, if you want to catch up with him, it'll all be in the show notes and, uh, thank you. We will talk to you soon. Thank you, brother. All right. Appreciate it. See you. Thank you guys for another episode of the tactical empire. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review and share with a friend. We'll, we'll, we'll see you. We'll see you on the next episode. Next episode of the tactical empire.